With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. There's no bigger fan of the Iowa Hawkeyes than Iowa's premier dish retailer, Big Dog Satellite and Solar. If you can't watch live, there's no better way to record every game than the Hopper from Dish. Search or call Big Dog today and ask for the Hawkeye Tailgater Special. For one more beer for me. Exile means quality, so savagely. Best beer in all the land, brewed with a loving hand. From bottle, keg, or can, Exile Brewing, E-X-I-L-E. For me, E-X-I-L-E, let's drink football. Enjoy your Hey, 10 Podcast. I'm John Miller along with Steve Dace, early May, coming at you. And uh, spring football over. We talked quite a bit about spring football last week. We're going to talk a little bit more about that this week on the Bigger 10 Podcast. And uh, we, we look at Steve's roster rankings, Big 10 roster rankings, based upon players that are returning now that, you know, more players have put their names in portals, transfer portals. Um, the NFL draft is coming and gone, so we're getting closer and closer, at least to a pre-summer attrition, look at uh, what roster strengths will be. But, you know, you and I, Steve, this week have been talking a little bit about Iowa's schedule. And you had brought this up very, very, very soon after Iowa's season was over, after winning the, uh, the Outback Bowl this year, talking about how you – took a quick gander at Iowa's 2019 schedule. I think you even might have thrown a yo into the mix. Uh, I think you might have written this point in time since then that maybe Iowa has the toughest schedule in the country. Um, you know, you sent me something this week that was from uh, Saturdays Down South. Kind of an, Would you say it's fair to class, categorize that as an SEC-centric um, website? Yeah, they are trying to branch out and and go more nationally. They have a Big Ten-centric aspect to it, but it it really began as an SEC-centric kind of thing, yes. Right, so they have have a top five teams that are getting too much national love in post-spring top 25 rankings, so... Obviously, we've all seen several of the way too early top 25 rankings that come out after spring football. So they have five teams they believe are getting too much national love. And three of those five teams happen to be on Iowa's schedule, happen to be road games for Iowa. So let's go to their number one. Their number one is Penn State. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic, we're going to get to his list here as well. We'll talk about that interspersed. He has Penn State number nine in the country, which I think is he's smoking crack. Yeah, Ridiculous. I, just, just, I think that's, just that's seriously, just, you're fired. He, he even acknowledges in the article that, yeah, I, I get that they're that they're down uh, that they're down quarterback Tommy Stevens, who unexpectedly entered the transfer portal. Dude, what the hell? I, that's just I'm just gonna tell you right now. 
Stuart Mandel is the worst college national college football writer, and I don't know a close second. He's the worst. That's pretty strong. He's the worst. He's the worst. Okay. Um, so yeah, so you know, CBS Sports has them twenty. USA Today has them twenty-one. You believe that even at those levels, they're overrated. I still think I'm fine if you want to look at their in recent recruiting and put them there. But you know, for each of these teams, they've got a rationale why they think they're overrated. And for Penn State, lost the most productive quarterback in program history. Check. Went zero and three against Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State last year with a more experienced roster. Check. Rank a hundredth in the in college football in in percentage of returning production, and given the division they're in, that's something. Okay, and then mm-hmm. you know you, you look at we talked about, I think the numbers thirteen guys that could be on this team this year that are leaving. So you know you look at the stat, the two seasons that he had Joe Moorhead as his offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, James Franklin won 81% of his games and went 500 against ranked teams. The three seasons at Penn State that he didn't have Joe Moorhead as offensive coordinator, he won about 56% of his games, and he went 1-7 against ranked teams. Well, you know, Stevie had Saquon Barkley and, and Trace McSorley, so it's not Joe Moorhead. Well, if, if you want to go with that, fine. What you're telling me is that unless he's got arguably the best quarterback and running back in the history of one of the top 10 programs of all time, on the roster at the same time, he can't be good. And, and you look at their schedule and the division they're in. If you're putting Penn State in the top 9, 10, 15, really just you suck. I, I, mean, I don't know how else to put it. You're not taking your job seriously, and you suck at this. I mean, that's just, you know, that's, I, I don't know what criteria you would use to do that. Yeah, I mean, I certainly can't speak to his relevance to other writers around the country. I'll, I'll leave that to you, and you know I respect your opinion. Um, but putting them nine, that's that's crap. That's garbage. I, I at least know that. So then they have number, Utah at number He's two. He's the Iron Man three of college football writers. I take it that was a bad movie? The Thor, The Dark World, The Ant-Man and the Wasp of college football writers. Yeah. All movies you didn't like? Movies that, you know, MCU movies are still relatively good because they're all good. But if you did a ranking, those would be at the bottom of the list. Yeah. All right, because I've seen zero of them, so I don't know. Are you okay? Are you are you surprised that I've not seen one of those movies? Not one I, of I got I, I got to say, I'm I'm completely shocked. Actually, shocked. I thought you might be actually, because you know my affinity for Star Wars. That's, that's you know my I'm affinity yeah. for Tolkien. Yeah. And you would think that this type of genre would fit right in there, but I just have no desire. Now I'm not like going to sit here and mock it. Because I like, you know, I like uh, hobbits, you know, and things like that. And I'm always reading an epic fantasy book series of some type, including now. I have been for the last decade and a half of my life at any given point. Just not my thing. But apparently a lot of people like it. Because all I keep hearing about is this Endgame movie. Endgame, Avengers Endgame is like everywhere. My daughter loved it. And I didn't even know she liked those movies. So, anyhow. Um, Utah number two. The Athletic and CBS Sports both have them at 12. you surprised by that? I haven't looked too deeply at them yet. I haven't branched out. I'm actually about to start doing that here in the next couple of weeks. But okay. I think you've got to also look at relative to the conference they're in. Right. I mean, you know, I might say they, they're overrated at 12, 
But, I mean, somebody has to win the Pac-12. Someone's going to win it. You know, who had Washington State there at this time last year, you know? So I'd keep that in mind, just that off just, the top that, of my head. That, yeah, that reminds me of an old Iowa, or maybe it was an Illinois lotto commercial, and I can't remember which because living in eastern Iowa as a kid, you know, Illinois had it, then Iowa. Somebody's going to lotto, might as well be you. I mean, somebody's yeah. going to win. Somebody's going to win. Might as well be you. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's not compelling. Auburn at three. The Athletic has them 13. USA Today 16. CBS Sports 22nd. That seems to me like a team losing its quarterback that, I don't know, man. Here's what worries me, though, if you want to call Auburn overrated. They are the Iowa of the SEC in that they're always much better when you write them off. And they never deliver when you rank them high. I mean, in 2013, that last year of the BCS, you know, they they got to the national championship game. They were up on Florida State 28-10 and almost won that thing. They were unranked in the preseason that year. You know, they're like preseason 17 or something, the year they had Cam Newton and won it. So mm-hmm. that, that that this is kind of their MO. Their MO is when you think they're not any good, they are. They're just a they're just a they're a program that doesn't deal well with expectations. And I think I, I, I have to go back to my college football preview of a year ago. But I want to say that Auburn averages a decline of like four and a half wins the season after they win double-digit wins. Do you remember I had a bunch yeah, of those stats last summer? I remember some insane stat like that, yes. Yeah, and isn't that what we saw last year? You know, so um, – and you saw what they did to Purdue – in the bowl game, you saw what kind of talent they had. They way underperformed their talent. So last year they were underwhelming. So you know, based on the trend for them for a decade or more, they, they should be really good this year because not much is expected out of them. That's kind of how they roll. Yeah, you're right. That is how they roll. Okay, so then the last two on this list will obviously be Iowa opponents. Iowa is playing them on the road. Number four on this list of teams that – Saturdays down south believes are getting too much national love in 2019. Iowa State is number four. They're number 14 in the athletic. They're ranked 15 in USA Today. And they're ranked 18 in CBS Sports. Steve, you've been following Iowa State for a couple of decades now. Mm-hmm. I've, paid, I've been paying more close attention to them for since, you know, probably the mid-2000s. Mid to like 2004, 2005, when I kind of had to. Um, this is as high as I remember them being ranked in the preseason. And they maybe there's probably a time that you can remember just as well. I don't. Uh, do you go along with this? They're, they're thinking of why Iowa State may be overrated. The last time Iowa State was in a preseason top 25, I basically talked Tom Deanhart when he was running the sporting news at the time, now with the Big Ten Network, I, I basically talked him into putting Iowa State in his preseason poll. And I used to talk to Tom a lot back then. That was 2005. And that's when Iowa State had everybody coming back off the team that lost to Missouri at home to win the North on the last day of the year. And yes. that's the team that beat top 10 Iowa. That was the year you and I did the game day out there at Jack Trice. And, and they, that they was the year. beat Florida State. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Well, no, that was 2002 was the year that they 
it almost beat Florida oh, State. Oh, okay. It's with Seneca Wallace. Yeah. Yes. All right. This is, the year, this is the year they became the first team in college football history to lose uh, three overtime games in one season. Mm. And that's how they didn't win the North that year. You know, I'm remember they beat Colorado at home because and when there was a literal tornado in Ames at the end of the year, and it looked like yes. they were going to, they had won the North that night. And then they, they go on the road to Kansas and blow a 10 point lead in the fourth quarter in a game that probably cost me about $50,000, you know? So yes. when I own cycling, you'll remember that it's the most crushing loss I've ever experienced in my fandom ever. I do. You know? I do recall that. And I say, how, how much longer did you have cycling fanatic after or cycling nation after that? Um, <laughs> I think I might have sold it about two years after that. I think yeah, that was that was tough. I know. I mean, I wasn't yeah. making lunch. That was hard. So um, here's the thing with Iowa State. I actually like his rationale. You know, he points out something you and I've talked about for years. If you win your bowl game and and you're a major conference team and your starting quarterbacks coming back, you're going to get ranked really high in the preseason. And he points that out. Okay. Um. So I don't mind his rationale. I don't think Iowa State, and I even agree with the author's description that if you're getting ranked 14th or 15th, you're kind of a fringy playoff team. That's how he describes them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's accurate. I don't even have a problem with that. The thing I would say about, uh, about Iowa State is defensively, you know, they, they lost uh, PV the corner, who was a really good player, an all-Big 12 player for them, for really a couple of years. They bring everybody back. You know, I, this, this could be the best defense Iowa State has had since I've been around their program. It's possible. Mm-hmm. At the very least, you know, you go back to that 2000 team with uh, Reggie Hayward and those guys, and that, that team ended up, you know, that's the, that was the last time until this past year that Iowa State ended the season in the top 25. So uh, it, it, it's, it's going to at least be the best defensive team Iowa State's had in a decade or more. The David Montgomery's a huge loss. You know, they don't, they don't have any losses. I think they're going to bring back the most total production and starters in the Big 12 Conference. But the, wow. the, they only lose three or four starters. But, but the, you know, it's like PV, who is an all-Big all, all uh, Big 12 corner, and then Hakeem Butler and David Montgomery. The, 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 the loss of Hakeem Butler worries me because when, um, when they lost uh, Lazard, you could see Butler coming on. Like last year at this time, we knew he was ready to take a big step, right? We had seen that. We don't really know who their number two guy is because, you know, Butler was such a dominant force for them last year. And the thing with David Montgomery, and I think you're going to see this a lot in the NFL, is, you know, for the first time really since the, you know, the, the, the pre-2002 McCartney years, First and 10 became a running down for Iowa State again with David Montgomery, meaning that it was realistic that you could run the ball on first down and be in second and five and second and six and not second and eight. And mm-hmm. that's not been the case the last few years. Uh, and, and their offensive line's gotten a little better. I think it'll be much better this year, but it was really young last year. They replaced a lot of offensive line starts. David Montgomery was so resourceful and slippery in just finding holes and angles within the holes to eke out an extra yard or two in order to to get you into a second and five, second and six. And then when you got a guy, a coach like Matt Campbell, what you can do on that down, you know, the options are limitless at that point. 
So what'll be fascinating is Brock Purdy exploded onto the scene last year. And that's two years in a row that Matt Campbell's reinvented Iowa State season with a third-string quarterback, pardon me, the third-string quarterback on the fly. It was Kyle Kemp two years ago and Brock Purdy last year. What we're going to find out now is if Purdy is able to take the next step where he's the rising tide that lifts the boats, meaning he makes the receivers that are inexperienced better or whether he uh, took advantage of the, the, you know, every down mismatch that Hakeem Butler possessed. If I had to guess, this will be about an eight and four team. It's just a matter of who those four losses are to. I would agree. I, I think that probably fits them real well. When you got a defense like that, you got a chance, obviously, in the league they're in, you got to score points, but they are a little bit of a, a zig to a zag in that league, a little bit of a departure, something that you've actually called for Iowa State to be for a long time in that league. Maybe mm-hmm. not quite, not a gimmicky departure either. Uh, just a, a tough. A tough physical team plays good defense and a league that doesn't do that. Um, number five, Nebraska. 17 from CBS Sports, 19 from USA Today. I'm sure they're going to be in vogue to be in some other polls before the end of the summer is over. And I, I may be guilty of getting on board, as they say here, the hype train myself, only because what I, you know, th- they're going to score a lot of points. They are going to score a lot of points. It comes down to me, how much will they be able to improve in the trenches defensively from last year to this year? And that's the difference to be between being a contender in a very wide open Big Ten West and being a team that wins six to seven games. Well, you know, this article points out that uh, Penn State and Purdue are the only teams in the Big Ten are returning less production uh, this year. When we get into my team total talent ratings post-spring in the Bigger Ten podcast, you know, you're going to see in the depth there that Nebraska is still, and it's because it's only year two. And, you know, he wasn't left with, this isn't, you know, Jim Tressel was getting the best class in the Big Ten every year, lied to the NCAA, and left Urban Meyer with a stacked roster. Okay? I mean, this isn't that situation. Now, I mean, he's not in the situation, Scott Frost, meaning he's not in the situation Jeff Brom walked into where he's, you know, recovering from a Chernobyl level event from a Big Ten standpoint. He is literally beginning right. from ground zero. But, you know, he's got a lot of and he's got a lot of attrition to overcome. And it's a and we talked about this when he was hired last year. This is a triple back of, of schematic wrote, you know, um, evolution in, an, in, in, in a roster where you're going from a pro style to Bo Pelini with a power spread back to a pro style back now to a pure spread. And I can just tell you from experience, you know, used to rib me, used to rag on me for this, you know, when we were on the radio, Hey, Michigan's got the youngest roster in the big 10 every year. Well, we kept firing damn coaches, you know, when you're switch, when you're firing coaches and switching schemes and you got to overhaul the roster, you're going to have a lot of young guys. You know, their depth is not there. They're, they're, they remind me a lot of what I said about Michigan State a year ago. I, with that quarterback, they're going to score on everybody. Take him out, and I don't think they score a lot of points. I just think Adrian Martinez right. is that kind of special material or special potential. But the depth behind him, it's just not there yet. I mean, he's got, you know, Scott has recruited one full recruiting class. It was really good, a top 25 class, but he's already lost a couple of, of, of the – 
of the highlight players from that class, one of them for, you know, peddling revenge child porn and another who, who, you know, transferred out after spring ball. So it takes time to overhaul that roster, but for this year with the, they have a, the schedule sets up very friendly. If they can keep that quarterback upright, I could see them being a win or two above the win total. Their roster probably would otherwise be capable of producing. If you Meaning that instead of they probably have seven or eight win talent, they could be a nine or ten win team with that schedule if they keep Martinez healthy. You, what do you think that the Vegas would set them? I mean, if, if you were, if you okay, wait a second. What am I? What am I thinking? I'm talking to a verified sharp, Steve. <laughs> what? Will your win total for Nebraska, if you are playing Vegas bookie, um, what do you put it at? Do you put it at, I mean, I, do you put it at eight? You put it at eight and a half? That is exactly, that, I would put it exactly at eight. That's exactly what I would do. I got to think, because I got to, I got to, I got to, if, if looking at it as an odds maker, I got to add in the public factor, Okay. If I put it at seven or seven and a half, the public is going to pound that up to eight anyway. You know, so because exposure. Yes, I don't want to expose myself. So I put it at eight now. And then if you want to bet me up to eight and a half or nine, that's, you know, that now we're getting into a pretty rarefied air for a quick for a turnaround. And from four and eight the year before, I might risk my exposure. With, with that high of an overhead for them to reach. I, I'd much rather risk exposure as an odds maker that on Nebraska going nine and three than going eight and four. I'd much prefer that. Yeah, I mean, there you go. So, you know, we talked about your affinity for Mandel earlier. I just want to give his – so this is Iowa's schedule from, you know, the Mandel point of view. So, if you know, if Mandel's not high on Iowa, you might look at that. So he had Penn State at number nine. Iowa hosts Penn State. He has Michigan number 11. Iowa's at Michigan. He has Iowa State 14. Iowa's at Iowa State. He has Iowa at 18. Wisconsin at 19. Iowa is at Wisconsin. Northwestern is at 20. Iowa is at Northwestern. I mean, that that's that's five games against, you know, Mandel ranked games, and four of them are on the road. Now, I don't I don't agree with some of his looks either, because he has Fresno State at 25 and they lost everybody. They did lose absolutely everybody. And I forgive me for sounding a homer. If you're ranking Penn State ahead against ahead of Michigan, quit your it's job. Dumb. Quit your it's, job. It's dumb. Okay. It's dumb. It's quit. dumb. Quit yeah. your job or just admit you hate Jim Harbaugh. And let's just you know what I I can't stand whether in any form of media analysis, and I work full time in this industry. All right. Let's just be adults. We're all consenting adults here. Just say, I'll tell you, you've, I, you've known me well enough to know. I'll just tell you flat out, you know, I can't stand that dude. Probably not the guy to go to for an objective opinion. You've heard me say that, right? I can't, I've, you heard me say it. Let's just be adults. Just say, you know, I don't like Jim Harbaugh. Okay. And like he hasn't given you reasons not to, to, to not like him. Then just admit it. But don't sit here and play and pretend and feign objectivity when you've got a bursa sack of butt hurt pouring out of your keyboard. Okay. Hack it, hack. I mean, you know, Mandel is a is is a hot take artist without any talent. Other than that, though, I think he's a tremendous sports writer. 
I was just trying to go online and look at the uh, USA Today top 25. Um, you know, the posts since you know, Mandel's were kind of, you know, peeing that away. Michigan's number six on that one. Bill Bender uh, at the Sporting News does a great job. He's high in my rankings because he's, yeah. he's, he's conscientious and he's thorough. He put together a composite of all the post-spring ratings. And I think that, you know, I think those are good to look at, kind of, you know, wisdom in a multitude of counsel thing. I like composites because there's a lot of smart people with, with different perspectives that work, Stuart Mandel excluded. There's a lot of smart people that work at these various entities, and it's good to kind of put their, let them all put their minds together and kind of come up with the composite. And here's what the composite says. Somebody at the Big Ten office hates you. That's what it says. The schedule you're playing is, as my kids used to say, it's it's redonkulous. I mean, you're you're nine and three right now. Before anybody gets hurt, before a single practice, you're nine and three right now. And then we're just going to work our way down from there. In my view, looking at that schedule, it's ridiculous. Well, that schedule. Yeah, you, you, USA Today's post spring schedule. Uh, these are Iowa opponents. Michigan is sixth. Uh, Iowa State is fifteenth. Northwestern is 17th, Nebraska is 19th, Penn State is 21st, and Wisconsin is 25th. That's six ranked teams, and five of them are on the road. That's insane. That that's just insanity. I, I I that's one of the toughest schedules I've ever seen in the Big Ten in the years we've been doing this. It's one of the toughest I've ever seen. And you know, individually, I think. And, oh, by the way, this I, might be the—it's it, potentially the best Iowa State. No, I don't think it will turn out to be, but because I think they're kind of an eight and fourie team. But it's the most highly preseason highly regarded Iowa State team in what, fifteen years? And you're playing yes. them on the road, so good luck. Have a nice fall. Yeah. Yes. Um. Indeed, and, you know, I think head to head. I think Iowa's a better football team on paper than maybe all but one of those teams right now, just lining them up, lining them up on paper. But cumulatively, and playing all of them in the same season, that doesn't even count games against Minnesota and Purdue that we believe are solid football programs for this coming season. Right. That's eight. That's eight right there. Um, I, you know, yeah, you, you get a couple, a couple, two. Two two other gimmies in the in the non-con, and I can't remember who the other. You know, then you get Rutgers in game two. I mean, that is that is tough. And and Illinois, there you go. So that's your rest of your schedule. Two other non-con sort of gimmies: Rutgers at home and Illinois at home, and then six ranked teams and Minnesota and and Purdue, which are probably top thirty-five, top forty teams. That's trouble. That's trouble. Any, no, any what, you're, what, what, what you have, I think, is your most talented team since the 2015 team, according to my talent ratings. Yes. But nowhere near nowhere near the favorable schedule that that team faced. Yeah. And no time. You know, if if Iowa if 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 there's a two or three way tie in the West Division, to, I I don't even think you look at the tiebreakers. I, I just think if and I was one of those teams. I, I just think, you know, my my cousin Angela used to be a manager at Quick Trips here in, in Des Moines. And when she would go, and she was what they would call back then a circuit manager. They'd move her around to the various Quick Trips around town to 
be kind of the pool manager when a manager was sick or on maternity leave or things of that nature. And whenever she managed the quick trip across from Mercy Hospital down there in the closest mm -hmm. thing Des Moines has to the hood, whenever she managed the quick trip across from that hospital, they used to give her what was called combat pay. So she got like a combat pay bonus. And I'm like, I, I, I asked her one time, what is that? Well, I mean, there's just a higher propensity of being robbed over here at gunpoint. So I get paid, I get paid a bonus for that. To me, um, what does that have to do with this? Well, this. If, if there's a six and two, five and three tie for the West Division, you don't even look at tiebreakers. And I was one of those teams. Just don't, you don't even look. You, Iowa got combat pay for playing that schedule. You're in. See you in Indianapolis. We're not even looking at tiebreakers. No. I mean, there, there ought to be like a handicap. You're like, you're like playing, um, you know, uh, Amen Corner at Augusta over and over and over and over again. So that schedule is ridiculous. It is indeed. All right. That will wrap up this installment of the HN podcast. For Steve, I'm John. We'll talk to you soon.